Welcome to the Oh For Food's Sake podcast, where we unwrap the struggles of working in the food industry so that you can thrive in what you do best while sustaining a rewarding and fulfilling career or business. We are your hosts, Lucy Wager, food industry consultant, and Amy Wilkinson, coach and facilitator, bringing you our expertise of starting a food brand and working in the food industry for the last 20 years. Our podcast is for you to find new ways to cope with the daily struggles, but mostly to inspire you to work on what's not working to ultimately improve your career or business long term. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Oh For Food's Sake. Today, we're going to be talking about creating compelling stories. And this came, um, this idea came out of um, Amy and I chatting about episodes that we could do, looking at episodes that we've done in the past and things that people have talk, spoken to us about. And we, um, as you know, um, are running jointly um, courses for MPD teams. And one of the things that has come up a couple of times is helping people deliver a compelling story to either internal or external customers. And at first, we thought, was there an episode in this? And then we decided that actually, yes, there is an episode in this because I think there are certain barriers that stop us sometimes being able to tell a compelling story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's sort of the crux of what we want to talk about today, isn't it? Yeah. And I think even like just listening to you talk then, Lucy, when we're talking about internal and external customers, I think they're they're the sorts of things that we forget about that actually when you're presenting your products internally at the dreaded feasibility (laughs) meeting or other meetings are available, (laughs) (laughs) that you are doing a selling job. You know, that is it. You and, and creating story compelling stories around your products is important just as important and some well it's even more important and and sometimes harder than creating a compelling story to take your product to a customer because you know if you don't get through that gate <laughs> you ain't going to take the product to a customer so it's, yeah. but, but this isn't even just about product i think we'll probably talk around product a lot more because it's it's easier to to do that, but it can be, you know, trying to sell in another idea. You know, if you work in marketing and you're listening, it could be selling in your ideas for activation. It's 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 all of those different things. Yeah. It's anything where mm-hmm. you're trying to convince other people of why your idea is great, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I think the reason it has come up when we've been talking about MPD is because the people that are working on products that need to explain that product and the journey they've been on to the journey they've been on to create that product they might not necessarily be people that naturally enjoy selling something yeah so, yeah then- yeah because when we were first um coming up with this like as a module in the mpd um, courses that we do we were kind of like is this selling for people that don't like sales you know yeah, like how yeah. do we how do we what do we call it but actually it is it is to a certain degree but we all sell i get so frustrated when well i was one of those people because we know when i moved in from mpd into commercial i was like i need training I need training I need training and they're like you don't need training like you know that how you know how to negotiate it's just it's numbers now rather than 
you know, what are we going to put in a recipe? We all sell, we do, your toddler, you know, think about our kids. Yeah. We're constant, they learn to negotiate at a very young age, mm. you know. So I think you're born, doing- you're born as a very good negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, somewhere well, some of us lose it. Well, but it, it, that's so true because I'm just thinking like some of the resilience workshops I, I run, I talk about, well, and also we talk about people pleasing as well, don't we? Quite a bit in the podcast. That is a learned behavior that we learn as a baby to help us survive. You know, mm. we uh, smile and make people like us and then they feed us and mm. change our nappies. So, you know, it is it is inherent in all of us. So if you're listening, thinking, oh, I can't, I don't like doing it. You do. We all do it. We all yeah. are storytelling all the time and you know, getting other people to do things that we want them to do. And I also think we all have seen people at work who aren't necessarily very good at their job, but are very good at selling themselves Mm -hmm. rise very quickly to the Mm -hmm. top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and and hopefully sometimes fall. <laughs> I don't mean that horribly, but you know it can be frustrating, can't it? Because yeah. you can be really, really good at what you do, but if you can't sell yourself or the product or whatever it is that you you're doing, it, you're not going to get anywhere. And we talked about that yeah. in raising your profile episode, yes. didn't we? It's like yeah. you you're going to have to do this at some point. I'm afraid. So yeah, yeah. So, so so we're going to make it easier for you with some tips. Yeah. So the the importance of storytelling, like why is storytelling so important? And I think when we when we were jointly talking to somebody about this, I sort of realized that when I worked in development, I sort of naturally did this because I like talking about things that I'm passionate about. Mm. So when you when you speak with passion about something, it really engages the other person and they it it makes them trust in you and trust in what you're showing them more yeah yeah and yeah and i i remember that in you as a very young developer when you first started out you stood out because of your enthusiasm for the products and like i always joke about that you got so excited and because you were getting a veg box delivered to home. I never forget that. And you were like, vegetable soup. I'm like, how can anybody get excited about making vegetable soup? But you, you know, the, the passion was there. In, you know, that was a, that was a social thing we were chatting about in the office, but the passion was there and it makes people listen to you. I guess there are, it's about gauging the right level of passion though, isn't it? Because yes. that's great for when you're presenting to a customer and you, it's it's and that's the thing isn't it it's plain to the right audience it could be that a grumpy factory manager or technical manager I always feel guilty when I say certain functions like that because I know they're going to be listening I don't mean it like that it's just you know in this we're talking about it from an MPD perspective that passion can could be too much you know it could be a bit annoying so you've got to you've got to get it you've got to gauge your audience really haven't you yes and I think that's the other thing is about understanding where who who you're talking to and what is important to them mm-hmm. so um in that in that scenario the the technical manager is less bothered about the passion for the product they're mm-hmm. probably more interested in the work that you've done behind the scenes on the raw materials that you want to be using because mm-hmm. it, in just I'm just thinking back to those times and I remember 
I don't know whether this is actually true or whether it was just because it was my first job in a factory, but that the technical team in that factory were red hot on new raw materials. Like, mm-hmm. my God, it was difficult to get any new raw materials mm-hmm. into that factory. Mm-hmm. And because they were really good at their job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I, I do remember that now. And I look back at them now and think about other factories that I've worked with not necessarily I've worked in, but worked with and think, God, you know, they had really, really high standards. Yeah. And actually as a grounding for me, that was really good because it, it really taught me how important that sort of supplier approval process and, and, and understand raw materials that you're using, how important that is. So obviously when you're selling into them to, and trying to get them to do something different, it's a completely different angle that you need to go at. And yeah. So it's, it's judging that audience. Yeah, and I think in that instance, that's about preparation, isn't it? It's not going yeah. in. You, you've you got to anticipate all the questions that you're going to be asked and and know the answers. Or if you don't know the answers, know how you're going to find out. Or, yeah. you know, that's the, the, detail, the detail that needs to be, you can't just go in and wing it if you're, yeah. You know, there are situations where you can wing it and that is not a situation where you can wing it and you no. need to be prepared in the right way. Otherwise yeah. you can get your head bitten off. Yeah, well, and you're not just not going to get anywhere. And, mm. the, and the other thing is as well, is I think part of telling that, say say then, sorry, we're just using this like one example, but say then you you do get to present this product, whatever it is that you've developed to an external customer. I think it's also really powerful to tell them the story so say there has been a new raw material that is unique to your factory that kind of thing is interesting to your end customer like don't skip don't skip past things because it doesn't you don't think it's relevant because actually it could be very relevant and i all i also think that communicating is communication is really important because you never know where a conversation might lead you Mm. and with things like that, you could possibly engage even further with your end customer because there might be other suppliers wanting to do similar things, and yeah. you might, and there might be a common supplier that you don't know. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and there's- um, unlock something because yes. you've bothered to have that conversation. But yeah. also, I'm thinking about this is me with my marketing hat on. If a developer or a buyer or something hears about something that's really exciting and unique, you're starting to get your story, the stories that can be your customer facing stories. So by customer, I mean consumer facing stories. You know, this comes from a field in wherever, you know, right at the start, a good developer is always thinking about those things, aren't they? They're thinking about what what matters to the end consumer and is it going to be something that's going to be a unique selling point so don't be don't forget those details because that is really important yeah yeah exactly and i think i mean i know we're talking very much from a development perspective here but i think i feel really passionately about this because when you work in development you can we've talked about this before you can be seen as like i'm going to say poor relation i, I don't what I mean by that is we're often seen as like the sort of fluffy, creative ones that, you know, lacking substance and, you know, mm-hmm. all of those awful negative things. But without the development team, there is a, you know, things grind to a halt, basically, because there's no innovation and mm-hmm. no innovation from a product perspective, I should say. Yeah. And no new products coming through, which is extremely important. And 
the the benefit that you have as a product developer is you have these superpowers of understanding sensory and understanding product and you are able to talk about it in a way that nobody else is because nobody mm. else understands it in the same way that you do because you you're involved with the product right from the concept and then you take it all the way through to launch mm. so you're the only person in the business really that that takes this concept and is on that journey for the entire time yeah and can be a real advocate for that product and like I I do think that sensory bit I think what happens is we teach people how to do all the technical bits and like these are these are the um, submission forms you need to get in and you need to like tick the boxes for technical and you need to do this and you need to do that and then we might t- teach presentation skills, so how to stand up in front of a room of people. But what what is lacking and what we help with is tying up that kind of sensory knowledge and really being able to talk about a, a product passionately from a flavor texture point of view and present that in an articulate way yeah. that, with that passion that really helps people to well, gets people on board because they they get as excited and as passionate about it. Yeah. And it's 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 that that combination of the two I've just seen over the years. It's just become really like, and this is ingredient X Y Z and da 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 da. And yeah. it's like, no, you've got to be passionate about it. Yeah. And and link all those things together. Yeah, because and the other thing is is that most people. I mean, I'm trying to think of a person that I have worked with in the food industry that isn't passionate about food. And I actually can't think of one in any role, like everybody that works in the food industry, because most people are passionate about food, aren't they? Mm. Most people. And if you work in food, you do become more passionate about it. So even when you're, you're selling, you're, you're selling your um, compelling story into someone that isn't in the development sector, they're, they tend to be open to a bit of enthusiasm around the food. Yeah. Just make sure it's gauged in the right way and has, you know, you've got to think about what what's going to make their life easier. So, yeah. you know, if it's the raw material technologist, they're interested in, you know, where this new black olive is coming from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if it's, because I do think there's the, you know, we always talk about like feasibility meetings and stuff, but everywhere I go and everyone I talk to, it's the same kind of feeling <laughs> of, because I, I think it's important that we say that, isn't it? Because I think people think it, that they're alone and it's just them that's yeah. feeling that yeah. difficulty in it. You know, you go into those meetings and they can feel, you, you might not feel passion going into them. You might feel yeah. some fear. Yeah. And but, that dulls your passion then, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so you've got, got to find the ways to get yourself in the best state possible. So don't go rushing into that meeting back to back with another meeting. You've given yourself some time to ha- have a breather or, you know, just prepare yourself in a way. Prepare yourself inwardly, but preparing yourself outwardly as well in terms of having all the information, but thinking about what really matters to your audience. So an ops person is going to be driven by you know, the the need for efficiencies or, you know, how is this not going to mess up my factory? You know, yeah. you, you've, you've got to think about those things as part of your story. You yeah. know, te- if, if, if you are delivering a message that's like, actually, we're going to have to make 
something more difficult for you. Do what Lucy said and talk about the fact that you have considered that and these are the different, you know, you've you've exactly. gone through the different options and this is the best option you've come up with so that they don't just think you're coming in and going, yeah. we've got to do it this way. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I was just, when you were talking now, I was thinking about, so a really good good example at the moment is the whole plant-based movement. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, the big manufacturers would have massively said, you know, shied away. No one would have wanted to have done it. And now everybody is having to get a piece of the plant-based action because it's just, it's too big an opportunity now, even though it's still niche yeah. and everybody talks about it, it's still niche, but the market is changing. And I think before this change happened, this like real change happened, because quite frankly, the businesses that are coming into it now are late, let's mm-hmm. face it. They're mm-hmm. late to the party. Mm-hmm. There were some businesses. Says, says the first plant-based yeah. dessert yeah. in the UK. Too early. I was way too early. <laughs> and now if you're only doing it now, you're way too late. <laughs> well done to those that waited just the right amount of time. Um, but there were some big businesses that have already established plant-based factories within their businesses, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. And sorry, this is slightly off on a tangent, but what I'm trying to say here is when, when there's like a new trend, People in development tend to be the people that are the first, you know, on that plant-based journey mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it's really important to find a way of softening the blow, really, to two people in, in the ops department and, in sh- and sh- trying to sort of show them, probably working with your, if you've got colleagues in marketing, mm-hmm. to help them bring you and the rest of the team on that journey. So showing them you know, I'm using plant-based as an example now. So say five years ago, as a development team, you could see that plant-based was going to be a thing and it was going to be sticking around, which I could see that five years ago. Mm-hmm. It's about giving the information to those people in your business that won't have access to the information that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Because they their daily life is a completely different set of problems and yeah. challenges to yeah. the life in development that you're leading, where hopefully you're looking at trends and all the good stuff that goes to development. So, yeah. and that's why you're sort of immersed in that an understanding of why this is important. Yeah. And I think what you're saying there is really important, which is getting other working together, because my view as a marketeer would be that insight and trends should have come from them in the first place. You know, that, that there is yeah. a con- there is sometimes left field trends, but working together and it's not just, you know, insight and marketing and development, it's commercial because at that point you can start to build what's the size of the opportunity, what's the size of the opportunity now, but, but also getting them to help you extrapolate what that's going to look like in five years time, because often these new things that are coming through are the things where the, you know, the ops people are like, oh, that's going to be a nightmare. But actually, if you can see, there's going to be enough volume to build a whole new factory in five years' time. It's a different conversation, isn't it? Yeah. So don't work in a silo. Work with the yeah. resources and the people that you've got around you, which is why it's so important to build good cross-functional relationships to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah, because there could be lots of things where you you can see opportunities and that that helps you then identify which of the opportunities you should be going after yeah yeah um and can save you money in the 
the business as a whole in the long run because you can identify the the briefs that you want to respond to because you can start to see what the size of the prize could be for for your business yeah and we've talked about this before when like at right at the start so when you are you know coming up with new ideas innovation days whatever you want to call them getting people from all all sides of your business involved because if you're getting them involved right at that early stage it's going to help you to implement throughout because they're going to feel like they're part of that and they're going to get it you know I was talking to someone the other day and they it's funny you're saying plant-based because they worked in plant-based and they were talking about getting the senior team out to not do a full trawl but getting the senior team out for dinner in a plant-based restaurant for them to see more than they're seeing at the moment which is their tiny sector of the market but thinking about it as a whole you know, it's things like that that are really going to help you. It's, you know, we, we're digressing a little bit, but it's all part of this building the compelling story is, yeah, is, yeah, is I, building I, the culture in the business to, it for it to be about food. It is. And it and I think, I, I know what you mean, but I don't think we are digressing because it's it's part of your toolbox to be, for you to be able to build your compelling story because you've already, you've created like a baseline. So yeah. So things that you can draw yeah. on to, to to when you are trying to sell your product in or your idea in, mm-hmm. you know that the, you're you're not talking to you know a cold audience because yeah. you, you know they've already they're slightly on the, some kind of journey with you already. Yeah, um, um, we're sort of talking, aren't we, about internal selling in at the minute yeah. but when you then go external it's the same principles apply really because you should be you know that's why we take customers on trawls and stuff like that to get them get everybody on the same page right f- right from the start but but then thinking about what their needs are and it, Lucy it'd be good to listen, hear from you from a retailer point of view because I think the pressures are different aren't they uh, you know as a retail developer or a buyer what helps you to understand better when I can't even speak when when a supplier is coming in and presenting what were your motivations and what did you really want to help what made a compelling story from their side I guess well I think it's all the things that we've talked about and I think one of the really important things is about like authentically telling your story Mm -hmm. so you can tell when someone's bullshitting basically yeah and you and and as a developer you're you're responsible for then selling that product into your internal team yeah so you need to feel confident in those people that are selling the product into you yeah. and you need and you need to understand the journey that they've been on with the raw materials or you know if it's going to be a new process in the factory what journey, you know, what do we need to do to get there? Is it, is this realistic? Can we meet the deadlines? And the other thing is, is it going to be realistic from a price perspective? And, yeah, you know, don't, don't show a product that's not going to be commercially viable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's, it's about building that trust and making sure that you're communicating with all the things that we've said, basically. So you're taking them on a journey, you're, you're telling them the steps that you've gone through to get to the product. Because the other thing is, I think when you're a developer, you want to critique a product and you might say, you know, I uh, have you tried, uh, I think pink peppercorns would work really well in this or whatever. <laughs> and if you, if there's a reason why you're using the particular peppercorn, I'm thinking of peppercorns because I did a pink peppercorn 
stressing. <laughs> All these memories come back when we're talking about development when yeah. I'm talking to you. You know, you can give a really compelling story as to why you're using a certain raw material mm-hmm. and you can you can take them on the journey of all the different ingredients that you tried and how you ended up at this one, because then that develop you're basically, you know, saving them a job because then they can sell that into their business as well. Yeah. And I think it's also in that, say that situation, it's a good, it, it, that's part of negotiation, isn't it? Because you might yeah. be sat on the other side thinking, because we can't afford pink peppercorns and yeah. actually not being, well, depending on your audience, because you have to be careful, but you know, with some people you can just say that, but also, you know, there's other ways of saying no, like we've looked at that or, you know, we've, we've, yeah. we've investigated those and it didn't work for whatever reason, you know, you can you can negotiate and and that is part of telling the story without yeah just being difficult I guess is my point yeah yeah and I think it's that's a really good point because especially at the moment I mean pricing and commodity shortages and we you know we are all under an incredible amount of pressure in terms of what's available and the cost of things and it's a real balancing act and actually there's also nothing wrong with showing several options and and showing the journey from that perspective and i'm also thinking about from a design like working on design of of things as well i'm a project that i'm working on at the moment where we're redesigning and re-looking at artworks and that kind of thing i'm showing a couple of versions of certain things just where icons are and stuff because Mm -hmm. it makes the storytelling so much easier and it cuts your time down because you can if you can preempt what the other person is going to say, you can go armed with yeah. everything that you need. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing better, I think, than when, you, when you're presenting in some way and you start to say, the person you're presenting to starts to like ask a question or yeah. make a suggestion. You're like, well, if you just turn over the page. <laughs> yes, here's one I made earlier. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, but that is really, but that is really, really compelling yeah. because that builds such trust because mm. they feel like you are on the same page. Yeah, and on them. the same side as them yes. as well. Because yeah. it can feel a bit us and them sometimes. I think definitely. That, I, I think it's, over the years, I've seen that lesson, you know, it feels more like partnerships. And like you say, it's going to be interesting. I think there is going to be a shift in the industry because of commodity prices and everything where the power used to feel like it was always with a retailer and the manufacturer didn't have much power. And I think that's going to balance out a little bit because yeah. like we literally, you know, in manufacturing can't get certain raw material you know there is no no choice it's not you know I think you're right and I think for the first time ever I'm seeing people just you know it's accepted that price increases have got to happen yeah like it it happens or we stop supplying kind of thing yeah yeah Yeah. I'm glad I'm not working in a commercial anymore no (laughs) god (laughs) it's tough times and it it is. is tough for everyone but taking that into consideration as well, you know, in this whole storytelling piece and selling stuff in, remembering the pressures that everybody is under on both sides of the fence is really important because I think that helps you to, like we said, take think, take their perspective in things on either side. You know, if you're listening and you work in a retailer and working with a manufacturer, but 
you know, everybody is under pressure at the minute. So the more passion and the more we can get back to, you know, really thinking about the food and how this is going to solve customers' problems and, you know, what consumers have said is so important because this is the stuff that we're really passionate about, you know, commodity prices. Unless, of course, you work yeah. in procurement and you love that stuff. Sorry. <laughs> we're, we're, we're having to apologise to all the uh, all the departments on this episode. I don't so, know. I, I don't know. And I think a lot of our listeners work in MPD anyway, so I don't know why I bother. Yeah. <laughs> so Actually, they're like, probably saying, uh, yeah. don't apologise. Don't apologise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we, I, I think there is something in you know, that empathy for everybody at the moment, it's hard, whatever you're doing. Yeah. But part of creating compelling stories is getting back to the passion of food, isn't it? It and, is. You know, it is. And when you are presenting your case, like you said, you don't, people can see through a bullshitter. So don't, you know, if you don't know the answers, don't lie <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah. it is important to have that outward confidence when you are presenting. Yeah. You know, you need to come, come across as an expert and that is for internal feasibility meetings as well as in the for the customer because I've been working with some teams doing some one-to-one coaching recently and a lot of what comes through there is, you know, going in, second-guessing, going into those meetings, second-guessing themselves and being a bit terrified. Like, go, like, I think I put a post out about feasibility meetings like going into the lion's den and that comes across and then people don't believe what you're saying in the same way because you're not got that out and I'm not saying you have to have yeah you can you can be dying inside just have outwardly speak confidently because it will the confidence will come through time and experience but you know do the things that you need to do to make yourself look confident that is the first step to being confident I think we've talked about this before because when I started work I was like I was a really unconfident child Mm. very you know really really shy painfully shy hated doing anything any presenting at school avoided it like clearly remember avoiding this English presentation I had to do like at sort of GCSE level was totally terrified by it and then I sort of made a really conscious decision to not be that person when I went to university because I wanted to be different and I didn't Mm. want to be that scared person and the impact that had when I started work and as you know, carried on is incredible. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure and we've I, talked about this on other, we like have, wearing we a had mask. A, yeah. We had a um, episode really early on, on confidence. So go and take yeah. a look if you've not yeah. listened to our earlier episodes. Yeah. Because I think that's really true that you don't have to feel, you can blag being confident and yeah. You can do it in the short term. It's not a long term yeah. strategy, but it no. actually starts you in the right in the right gives, direction yeah. towards being more confident. Yes, which is really important because I think you need to have that glimmer to show what it can do yeah. and the power it can give you. Yeah. Um and the power it gives you to be able to tell your story really in a really compelling way. Yeah. Yeah. So Lucy, let's share our sort of key tips around this. I think just to wrap yeah. up everything we've talked about today. Okay, okay. So I think the first one is about knowing your audience, understanding what makes them tick, what's driving them, and trying to sort of second guess what their objections might be, what their comments could be, and and being prepared for that. 
Mm-hmm. And then I think the second one is really around that passion that you were talking about. So the passion for food, passion for whatever it is that you're, whatever idea it is that you're trying to sell in. I think that's really, really important to show that you've got that passion, but to gauge it at the right level. So yeah. being an over enthusiastic, passionate foodie with somebody that's a grumpy old isn't always the, the best way. So, so it comes back to your first one, Lucy, doesn't it? About knowing your audience, but, yeah. but, you know, showing the passion in a, in the appropriate way for the audience that you've got in front of you. Yeah. And then the third one is about the journey. And I've talked about this quite a lot on this episode, but it's, it's about not underestimating the journey that you've been on and how you've come to this idea or this product or, you know, the packaging concept that you want to sell in. Because although you might have been working on something for a few weeks, a few months, this idea could be completely new to the person that you're selling it into. And you need to give them a bit of background and a bit of understanding and a bit of context rather than just jumping in at the point that you're at. Go back to why you made the decisions that you made, the changes that you had to change, the different things that you tried. You know, it's really interesting to hear that, but it's also really important for for them to start to realize the idea with Mm you. Yeah, yeah. And I've got one more, which is around confidence, exactly what we were just saying about finding the way for you, finding your voice, you know, you don't have to be the most confident person ever, but you do need to come across as being confident and passionate about what you're selling. So go back and listen to our, maybe we need to do another episode. It's been a while since we talked about confidence, but go back and have a listen with some of the tips that we have about having that outward confidence and the inner confidence will come with time. But yeah, so deliver your compelling story with confidence and you will nail it. Yes. I was just trying to find what episode that was, but I can't find it. (laughs) Oh, here we are. It was episode number five. Uh, Episode five. Yeah. So it was a long time ago. Build your confidence to build your career. Yeah. 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 And so if you would like some more confidence tips and would like us to do another episode on that, do do let us know. We always love to hear from you after these episodes. You know, come and say hi on LinkedIn, come over to our Facebook group. So if you have a look at the for the Over Food Sake community, come and have a chat with us because if you want an episode on confidence tips again, we will do that. Yeah. Tell us what tell us what you want. We'd love to do that. Yeah. So I hope you found that useful today. If you or your teams could do with more help um, with this sort of stuff, Lucy and I are now running workshops specifically around building a compelling story. So if that would be of interest, do get in touch with either one of us on LinkedIn. We'd Yeah, we'd love to hear from you and help you. And we will see you see next time. See you next time. time. Thank you for joining us today and we hope you've enjoyed it. Take care and catch us next week. And if you'd like to get in touch with us personally, Lucy is available for consultancy advice and is able to offer a free discovery call. Find her on Instagram at outtolaunchmpd or over on LinkedIn. And if you want to reach out to Amy for any coaching or facilitation support, then you can find her at Amy Wilkinson Coaching on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Thanks again. I'm Lucy. And I'm Amy. See See you next time. time.